Hello everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're taking a look at The Brothers Grimm, which is a movie that has been on my to watch pile for a while, and I've put it off and put it off because I remember not liking it when I saw it, I guess when it first came out, because I had a friend at the time who was obsessed with Heath Ledger, and we ended up watching a lot of movies that he was in, and I barely remember any of them because he was just one of those actors who, in between roles, just became indistinguishable. Like, I know I've seen Knight's Tale, I know I've seen Brothers Grimm, I know I've seen the Joker movie that he was in, the Batman movie. Um, and he's just completely different in all of them. So I just forget that I've seen movies that have him in it because I just think he's a different man in every single movie that he's in. But he's in this movie. It's a story about the Brothers Grimm and it's like a fantasy action movie, similar in style to Hansel and Gretel, which we already looked at. I would say it's probably more successful in some ways and less successful in others, which is not a great review, but we'll get into it. This movie came out in 2005, and it shows. We'll talk about the CGI when we get there. And I don't really have any trigger warnings for it. It's a certificate 12, so I, I guess there wouldn't be much stuff in it. There are some things that are kind of nightmare fuel if you were an actual child watching this, so be warned. And also some scenes of, like, animal gutting um because there's like a hunter in in the movie take of that what you will so the film stars matt damon and heath ledger as the titular brothers grim uh, matt damon plays will grim and heath ledger plays jacob grim lena Headey's also in this movie as angelica the huntswoman she's great i love her in every movie that she's in um so there you go love that and, and there are some other recognizable faces in the movie as well so there's a lot of stars packed into this movie and I couldn't remember until the end why it annoyed me so much. But but we'll get into that because it's it's kind of meant to be a fun, lighthearted comedy movie. And then it annoyed me. So the Grimms in this story are kind of the polar opposites to Hansel and Gretel witch hunters in that these classic fairy tale characters hunt real witches. In this, the classic fiction writers pretend to hunt witches and demons and goblins for money. They make their living going from town to town, bringing these folk legends to life with, you know, special effects and special wires and platforms and the help of two assistants. And then they charge people to, to get rid of, of the monsters. And we see kind of the origins of this. We start off in 1796, uh, where we see their sick sister, being nursed and Will waiting anxiously for Jacob to come home with medicine that they sent him out to buy. And he comes back with magic beans, like in the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. And obviously these beans cannot save their sister and presumably she dies though off screen. We then cut forward 15 years to French-occupied Germany um, and we see the brothers arrive in a town. We see them do their whole sales pitch. This is basically the part of the movie that establishes what their characters are and what their reasoning is. And I think it does that really well. I actually prefer this opening to the Hansel and Gretel opening. So... They arrive in the town, we see Jacob giving money to a beggar. He's still this kind of open-hearted, naive person that he was when he bought those magic beans. They give a message to the mayor that they're there to 
hunt down a witch the story of this is that the miller's wife was executed as a witch and her ghost is still haunting this town so they say they can get rid of her spirit by shooting it with an arrow filled with the tears of an innocent which is great lore we see jacob going through his folklore book which will obviously eventually become the the book of fairy stories uh he seems to be the the bookish one he's more nervous and it's will who's doing the sales patter he's very much a ladies man a charismatic shyster basically and i, I i'm gonna mention at this point that both of the accents that they're doing are very good i fully bought both both british accents they were great there's all their teeth sucking and haggling and eventually they get paid an extortionate amount of money to go to this old mill and get rid of the witch so they fill an arrow full of baby tears from a little bottle marked baby tears they put on shiny kind of samurai style armor which is made of like mirrors and covered in symbols which they say is magic um this cgi hag appears in the barn and starts flying around and they do a lot of showmanship they're being thrown around by telekinetic powers they're being mind controlled to like turn their weapons on each other um they can't look her in the eye all of this fantastic stuff and eventually they shoot her she goes down in a puff of smoke and turns into some snakes they wrangle those into a bag and jacob tells the i guess current miller to go and bury them in a mirror lined box in the forest and he departs with this bag of snakes going the witch is dead it's a miracle and then we see, obviously, that this is all fake. They have an assistant dressed up as the hag. They have hidden spring platforms under all the straw so they can do all the throwing themselves around nonsense. I kind of like this. It, it does explain some of this stuff, although obviously the actual like CGI hag was very much not uh, someone on a wire. It, it was very CGI enhanced, so that kind of takes away from it a little bit. We then see kind of... The, the ending of this scenario, Jacob, as presumably he always does, feels guilty that they're taking money from people. He still wants to believe that somewhere out there this stuff is real. He wants to believe in magic beans and his brother is very scornful of this. We then see a little girl in a red riding hood in the forest being stalked by some sort of unseen force that growls like a wolf. So I'm going to maybe put my neck out and say maybe it was a wolf. The trees are also being creepy, kind of moving around. I love the moving trees in this movie because they're like trees, but the roots are spider legs and that's how they move around, which I thought was quite cool piece of design choice. The Little Red Riding Hood girl is snatched up as she approaches M. Night Shyamalan's The Village and only her red cape is found. So she, she has been abducted. The brothers drink and celebrate. Jacob keeps trying to mouth off about how they're frauds because he's very drunk and will is trying to control that situation but, but also go to bed with some twins so you know there's a lot of push and pull around that area he then wakes up and they have been cornered by an italian man and some french soldiers who have come to arrest them and take them to his general so this french general who probably has a name but i'm just going to call him the general the italian guy is called cavaldi I think that's what I'm going to call him. Cavaldi Cavaldi. He's an Italian man. They're captured and then they're taken in front of the general. There's kind of a weird scene where their accomplices 
uh, accomplices are hauled out of a cauldron in the torture dungeon with these glass boxes full of snails on their heads. It's very weird. Uh, but they are accused of being frauds, which, you know, they are, and told that children are disappearing in a town called Mubarden and they are being sent there to find out how this trick is being done. Basically, you know, you send a spy to catch a spy. You send fraudulent supernatural experts to catch fraudulent supernatural kidnappers. So pretty sound logic there. Uh, the snails thing kind of highlights something that I wanted to talk about in the film, which is that it's not very funny, but it tries to be. So I think in this scenario, Hansel and Gretel kind of had it beat because there were moments in that that I genuinely laughed at, like when Hansel like pulls that guy in front of him right before the the guy explodes and blood goes everywhere. Things like that just kind of tickled me and made me giggle. The idea of like snails on someone's head, it, it it's it meant to be funny. I can tell that, and it's just it didn't make me laugh. Maybe it was just the mood I was in when I watched this movie, but a lot of the humour just falls completely flat for me. We get to see another fairy tale kidnapping when Hans and Greta go into the woods uh, to try and find the missing girls themselves. Their breadcrumb trail is eaten by big crows and then Greta's CGI shawl flies off of her shoulder and she chases it along the ground and into a spooky cave where she finds a creepy wall carving which seems to show phases of the moon and she is then cornered by an axe-wielding attacker dressed like Chewbacca. The CGI on this shawl looks awful. In fact, from this moment on, all of the CGI looks uniquely terrible. Uh, the hag kind of looked okay, I guess, because that was mainly just a real person that they put CGI on top of. But at any moment where there is something wholly made of CGI, like the shawl, there's a gold ring you see later, some monsters and things like that, they have that weird, too shiny, smooth quality of, like, PlayStation 1 pre-rendered cutscenes. It, it, it's like, we've, we've tried to make this look realistic, there's a texture on there, but there isn't enough of it, and it's just shiny and lit differently to everything else in the shot. It looks awful, and uh, there have to be other movies that did this better. I mean, like, The Craft came out in, like, the 90s, and that has better CGI than this movie. The Brothers Grimm arrive in Mabarden, the village, and they meet the townspeople who are very suspicious because I guess this is some rural backwater that have never heard of the Brothers Grimm. But then a child speaks up and is like, oh, I heard of you guys, you're famous. And that seems to be enough for the townsfolk. They say that the girls are being snatched up by trees, that 11 of them have gone missing so far, and that the forest, which has always been enchanted, is now angry because of the French occupation. To guide them into the creepy enchanted forest, they need a guide, very much like Chris Hemsworth was a guide in the Snow White movie, except I like Lena Headey more. Uh, so they are sent to talk to the trapper, who does turn out to be Lena Headey, and a woman, who is apparently a cursed one. She doesn't live in the village, she is spat upon, like literally people spit when they say her name, in another instance of something that's probably meant to be funny, but just kind of falls flat for me. They go and see her, she skins a rabbit in front of them to show dominance, and then she says that two of the missing girls are her sisters, and so she will help them get into the forest and, and try and find the source of all of the badness. They go into the woods and Will, aka Matt Damon, faffs around with this weird steampunk stethoscope Geiger counter thing. Angelica, also known as The Trapper, 
is not impressed by this. She just kind of stands there like, what are you doing? And then just goes the way she was going to go. And then he declares it to be the right way. He's very much of the opinion that what is going on is purely someone like them, a fraudster. Whereas Jacob is more open to the idea of it being finally this real supernatural thing he's been looking for. They discover an old tower built in the centre of the woods, like Rapunzel's tower, which actually looks pretty good. Uh, in terms of CGI, it, it looks probably the best thing in the movie. Is there a real tower there? I'm not sure, but it, it looks a lot better than everything else. Apparently, according to Angelica, this was built by the Christian king who came to the area and has since been reclaimed by the forest. So there's a very kind of Christian versus pagan struggle going on in these here woods. She says that it's a cursed place and there are tombs around which we'll come back to later and that the christian king killed the forest dwelling people in the surrounding caves but then a plague came and wiped out his entire kingdom we then get probably my favorite scene in the movie where angelica has a flashback of her father telling her this story of the king's evil queen uh, who is played by monica bellucci who is in matrix revolutions um she's a, a stunning evil queen but basically the story is thus she was vain and selfish and loved her reflection and in this scene we see like the richness of all like the pearls and velvet and stuff dripping off of her dress this insane crown headpiece thing she's wearing um so she's beautiful, loves her reflection, clearly the evil queen from Snow White. But then the plague arrives and it kills the king. He's one of the first to die. And in a panic, desperate to avoid death and like the destruction of her beauty, she has a tower built, um, which has no entrance, has never had an entrance. And she has herself installed within this tower so that she can sit above the death of her entire kingdom, braiding her hair and luxuriating. Except that the plague is airborne. What must it be like to live in a time of airborne plague? So it still gets her and rods her face off. Which, uh, you know, powerful story there. Pretty interesting. That reminds my enduring memory of the film from when I saw it the first time. I love this story. It has, like, all those classic fairy tale elements of, like, hubris and then destruction. Love it. Jacob then notices that the trees are moving and tells everybody. He's pretty much convinced of the magic at this point, but Will remains to be convinced. In the confusion of the trees moving around, the huntsman appears, this Chewbacca-type figure holding an axe, and he feeds one of their horses a handful of CGI spiders. More on this later. Cavaldi is panicked. That's like his main character trait, is that he, at various points in the movie, keeps freaking out and just firing his gun at random into the air, like he is the only American in this movie, except he's Italian. Don't know what to tell you. Uh, so he panics the the horses get spooked and they decide to leave there's then this kind of again a moment i think is meant to be funny what do you want from me here um will insists that they came through the birch trees but obviously the birch trees have scuttled around the clearing and put themselves somewhere different and angelica says no that's not the way we need to go we need to ask grandmother toad so she picks up a toad and kind of waves it around and waves a pendulum around it and says, Grandmother Toad, Grandmother Toad, show me the way and I'll give you a kiss. It's kind of cool and it's like a demonstration that she also has some sort of folk magic. I think it's just meant to be funny because Will's standing there going like, you are a crazy person holding a frog. So there we go. Uh, they then get the direction right, thanks to, you know, the toad. And 
when they arrive back in the village, Jacob goes after Angelica because she says she doesn't want to go to the forest again. She's done her bit. They're on their own from here. So he goes to reason with her. Will goes to stable the horses. We find a little bit more about Angelica's backstory. She says that while she was studying in the city, uh, you know, like these two metropolitan Grimm brothers, her sisters were taken because her father died and he was taken by the wolves. So she wasn't here to protect them, obviously feels guilty about it. They bond. Meanwhile, Jacob's horse is acting weird because it's full of spiders. A little girl goes to comfort it in the stables, pats it on the nose, and her hand like pulls away this big strand of spiderwebs. She staggers back, she's getting caught up in all these sticky spiderwebs she can't escape from, and then the horse rears back, opens its mouth really wide, and she gets pulled inside by them. And if I was a child watching that, I would never sleep again. I would never trust a horse. It's it's pretty horrifying. Like, there are some things in this movie that are, I think, meant to be kind of like, oh, this is just like a light creep factor. But from the way they're executed, nightmare fuel. Like, this could be in a horror film. The horse, which now has like a child-sized kind of pregnant stomach, weird and gross, careens out into the street where the Grimm brothers see it. It kind of shrieks in their faces and they see the little girl inside its throat like reaching up at them like help me again nightmare fuel this should be enough to convince will but he is very stubbornly clinging to his skepticism jacob is like we're in some serious crap angelica is the first one to get her shit together and start chasing after this child napping horse the grims chase after her and then the italian and his forces chase after them because he's like paranoid they're going to try and escape they all get kind of separated in the forest and unseated from their horses and shit just goes down and gets fucky because they're just trapped in the woods a tree then kills a french guy right in front of uh i think will but it basically drags him into a hole and then a branch comes out of his mouth which is like bloodless but it's no less creepy for being bloodless angelica gets cornered by a creepy wolf whose eyes she recognizes and who seems to recognize her before it runs away so pretty clear that's her dad he is a wolf now for reasons i i thought that her secret was going to be that she was a werewolf because they kept talking about her being cursed but there we go there is them what I consider to be an unnecessary section of movie, because they finally escape the woods, Cavaldi insists that they know what killed his men, that they are responsible for this. He returns to the general, bringing the Brothers Grimm with him to be tortured, and also Angelica, who he is going to torture as, like, leverage. This section doesn't really seem to need to be here, it's just that them being taken from where the action is, you know, the magic forest, to do kind of the same scene we've already seen, the torture and the threat of reprisal, but there we go. He threatens to put Angelica in what I'm going to call a steampunk blender. It's not really steampunk because it's like manually operated, but twirling blades that go down to a big wooden bucket. Uh, he, he threatens to blend her and they are going to be sent back to the forest because Jacob makes the argument that this is all supernatural stuff being brought up by the germans to alienate the french to get them out of the territory and frighten them and this plays right into this quite paranoid general's idea of what the germans are like so he manages to get it so they get sent back to the forest which they shouldn't have left anyway why is this part of the movie here will doesn't want to go back to the 
you know, evil cursed forest that eats people. So he gets annoyed at Jacob, but Jacob insists that they are part of this story and that they can give it a happy ending, that this is all real and they can fix it. And he knows something about this folklore. He's heard this story before. So then we find out that the evil queen tortured the, the local pagan peasants and stole from them their spells, like the, the scattered magic that they had. She took it from them before she killed them and compiled it so that she would have all of the power and a spell for eternal life. But she is missing one last spell which she needs to get. So that's kind of the story that we're given. Will gets angry, he pushes back against this by kind of reminding Jacob about their sister and the magic beans and, you know, that one scene we got from their childhood. So, obviously everyone's super angry. And Jedalica hits Will with a few home truths that he is so desperate to be able to defend his brother and not lose him, that he's unwilling to acknowledge the fact that there are threats out there bigger than him. Like, if he believes in the supernatural, he will know how helpless he is. Which is some pretty interesting character development. While they're having this character development, Jacob absconds into the woods with all of their trick trappery nonsense and the two assistants to set up some kind of catapult to reach the top of the tower, which doesn't work. So they decide to try something else. We cut back to the village where we see Sasha, um, the little girl who I think we met before, but she hears a bird say her name. And then it hits the, the side of the well and, and falls in. So she hauls it up in the bucket and picks it up and is like, oh no, poor crow, it fell in the well. And then it flaps some mud on her face, which makes her face vanish. So she gets like full on matrixed. She has no face now. Again, nightmare fuel. The mud from the well then just starts to like kind of seep out over the side in its CGI glory. And it turns into like a little mud goblin with like a creepy smiley face that looks like it is one of those children's cartoon things that kids would find cute but adults find terrifying. Um, th this mud goblin comes for Sasha, Angelica, who's being held prisoner by Cavaldi as like insurance that the brothers will return from the forest, breaks free and manages to minorly discombobulate this thing, but it, it reforms grabs up Sasha, like it, it absorbs her, then turns into a gingerbread man, says, can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man, and then jumps back down the well. I have some issues with this, namely that I, I kind of couldn't remember if the gingerbread man was a Brothers Grimm story, and when I googled it, it doesn't seem to be, which is weird. So like, the whole compendium of like the Brothers Grimm tales came out in like 1812 according to the internet whereas also according to the internet the gingerbread man also known as the gingerbread boy folktale was first published in an American magazine called St Nicholas magazine in 1875 which is considerably later so let's just say for argument's sake that that two seconds of internet research that I did is wrong and that the gingerbread man is actually in the Brothers Grimm story compendium which I couldn't find evidence of in my quick google but it's also referred to in multiple different websites as an American story and not like a Germanic or French story which would make sense for being included in the Brothers Grimm book so it just feels like this is a completely different folk tale that was just shoved in here because it's an American movie um which is odd also it's strange that this clay blob turns into a gingerbread man when it has a child in it because 
obviously clay and gingerbread, not to get all technical on you, but those are different things. And if not, consult your baker and warn them because they need to know. So it just seems weird to me that because there are stories about like people making children out of clay that go evil and, and there's various other like folk tales, but it feels like they've mixed two things together here and not really thought it through. And I think that's what annoyed me originally. This and another thing that happens. It just makes no sense for this blob of clay to become a monster, to eat a child, and then become a gingerbread man and jump in a well. It's weird. Also, the gingerbread man, not evil. Um, just kind of doesn't want to be eaten. That, 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 that's his whole thing. So, so that's a little bit strange. The, the webs coming out of the horse was kind of cool, but I don't know what kind of story that was meant to come from. But... If it wasn't meant to be referencing a story, at least it was cool. The Gingerbread Man references a story which I don't think is a Brothers Grimm story, which isn't even German. It, it makes no sense to me. But anyway, Sasha has been kidnapped. Back in the woods, Will manages to launch Jacob up onto the tower. They don't launch him, like, up at the, uh, uh, at the window, which they need to get into. It's kind of like this whole grappling hook winch deal. They get him onto the roof of the tower, so he has to kind of swing down into the window, which to me made very little sense, but... There we go. From the roof of the tower, he's able to see that there are 12 crypts surrounding the tower, like the points on a clock face. So that's weird. There are 12 crypts and 11 girls have gone missing. Sasha will be the 12th. So whatever is happening here, we're getting towards the end phase of it. He then swings into the window, into the tower room. I love the tower room. It's a cobwebby nightmare. It's horrendous. There's also a bed piled with mattresses, which has the Evil Queen's mummified body on it. She has these long fingernails that are like curled over, like they've been growing for years. She looks disturbing. On a stand covered in cobwebs, uh, Jacob finds what he refers to as the Book of Spells. I don't think he actually reads anything from this or we ever see it again, but it's confirmed that she has a spell book and therefore I'm going to call her a witch for the purposes of the podcast. There's like the one genuine kind of creepy-ish moment that I think was intended to be creepy. Um, everything else is just kind of has that weird uncanny feeling to it. Like, it was meant to be a little bit uh, shocking, but this is creepy because Will's got his back to the spring that was apparently a tainted spring when Sasha's seemingly lifeless body just floats up from the bottom of it. It gave me chills. I liked this bit. Um, but she is dressed now in this strange ritual dress and will hides just in time to avoid the huntsman who appears as a wolf and then turns into his chewbacca final form picks sasha up out of the well and puts her in the final crypt and then he like takes out like a little bottle and does some stuff and like glass slippers appear on her feet this is the second thing that irritated me and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment uh, but just hold on to that glass slipper idea above jacob approaches the mummified remains of the queen to find that horrifyingly in such a desiccated state she is still alive and moving and breathing and it's very creepy uh, below this is where my dvd skipped a bit so i wasn't sure what order this happened in but we'll get sasha out of the crypt uh, and then has to fight the huntsman who i guess is wants to put her back in 
Jacob finds a giant golden mirror uh, in one corner of the tower, and when he looks into it, the reflection of the tower is as it once was, opulent, beautiful, brand new, which is a great idea, love it, very cool. And in it, he sees the queen as she used to be, and she comes up behind him and like strokes his hair and is trying to seduce him into, I guess, doing what she wants or leaving her alone, one or the other. And we see on the bed... Uh, behind him she's kind of like rattling around and breathing and waving her hands like she is the one weaving this spell which is all kinds of disturbing somehow still not sure how will who is at ground level like of this massive tower manages to not only throw a rock and get it through the one window on this tower which is a feat in itself, manages to throw it so that it goes in the window and hits the magic mirror. Not only that, but with enough force to crack it slightly. So I guess he's just like fucking dead shot or something. Uh, but this manages to knock Jacob out of whatever trance he's fallen into. The mirror cracks slightly, as does the tower. So clearly these two things are linked. We'll remember that for later. Jacob grabs the continually growing grey hair of the mummified queen and uses it as a rope to escape the tower, much like the Rapunzel myth. We've got that reference in there. He says to Will when he reaches the ground that she has the spell for eternal life, but as a cruel trick, the pagans she was slaughtering for their magic kept from her the spell for eternal youth. So although she has lived on all these years she has aged badly and really wants this spell so again that's a really cool idea i love this origin story for her this kind of myth it's very simple but it's also very deep you can think about it a lot it makes sense it's not overly complicated it reminded me of ravenna's origin story i was here for it will has managed to best the huntsman and stolen his magic axe they like wave it at the trees and the trees recoil from it so his axe is enchanted and will uses a toad much as angelica did before which he poo-pooed to find their way so he's he's learning to accept folklore and magic they return to the village with sasha who is unfortunately still in a coma and doesn't appear to be breathing so it's like she's dead but they correctly assume that this is because she's under a spell Jacob manages to work out that the queen needs 12 children or 12 girls to sacrifice on the night of the blood moon's eclipse, which I feel like the blood moon was also in Hansel and Gretel. It does sound cool. That's probably why it was in the Zelda game, but you know, blub, the blood moon. She needs them and so she can become young again. And they try to evacuate the town because if there's no children there for her to steal, the ritual will fail and the spell will break. Unfortunately, Herr General, but that doesn't make sense because he's French, Monsieur General has become tired of waiting for them to, you know, overthrow the German occupants of this land and has turned up with all of his guards and everything. He denounces the Grimm brothers as frauds and tells the villagers that he plans to burn down the forest to put an end to this superstition and the sort of what he thinks of as guerrilla warfare which is taking place within it so that the villagers have nowhere to hide and he will have full control of the region. The burning begins. The Grimms are tied to ladders and put into the forest with their book to be burned. And Cavaldi, who I guess has come to think of these guys as friends, seems upset about this but doesn't really do anything to stop it happening. 
Angelica does though, she rescues them and then asks them where they got the axe. So again, pretty obvious the huntsman is going to turn out to be her dad. In the forest, the wolf finds them again and it's confirmed to be her dad when it changes back into a man. We see a little flashback. This is the second thing that doesn't make any fucking sense. So on the one hand, we have Will being able to throw this rock up like 200 feet through a window and into a room to break a mirror. And then we also find this flashback of her dad crawling on his hands and knees through the snow going, it's so cold. Obviously he's dying. He's gone out hunting and he's been caught unawares by the weather. In the next shot, like we see him crawling a little ways from the tower, the tower's in the distance. In the next shot, we see him in the queen's bedchamber being beguiled as Jacob was nearly beguiled. How did this half-frozen man who couldn't even walk get up to that window without the sort of weird contraption that the Grimm brothers brought with them? Like, it took two of them to get just Jacob up there, but this half-dead idiot manages to get all the way up the tower and in through the window. Later on, we do see him being carried up there by birds, but presumably that's just because he's like the Queen's evil servant. And if she did that for him when he was like half frozen and half dead, why didn't she do that to get Jacob up there? Because she seemed just as keen as to turn him into her servant. So whichever way you slice it, none of this shit makes any sense. But there we go. They fight with the huntsman who is, you know, still under the control of the evil witch lady. And during this fight, he pushes Angelica into a pool of water and she starts to get sucked down. Jacob tries to rescue her, but ice forms on the surface so he can't get to her. And when it finally breaks, she is nowhere to be seen. She has been taken to be the 12th girl, although technically she's a woman. So they really changed the rules on us. Like one minute it was meant to be children and next like uh, this full grown woman, she'll probably do, right? Who even makes the rules? So she's taken. The queen then summons an evil wind which blows out the forest fire and scatters many of the soldiers. The general sees that the Grimms have escaped, shoots several of his men in the back as they run away because he's a war hero uh, and then presumably goes into the forest. Birds then carry the hunter up to the top of the tower as previously discussed and he gives a vial of Angelica's blood to the queen. This is the first time we see him do this and when he like lays her in the crypt just before he takes the blood he doesn't magically make glass slippers appear on her feet or a red apple appear in her hand or anything else to do with a fairy tale. We only see that happen with Sasha who is obviously not there anymore who gets these this pair of glass slippers. So that doesn't make a lick of sense. Later on when the spell starts to get going we hear the chiming of the girl's feet knocking together with the glass slippers on and I think that's why this is here. It's, it's to be creepy. But it doesn't make any sense because we only see Sasha getting the glass slippers. Does everyone have a pair? If so, why doesn't Angelica get them? Did he just run out of time? Why are they necessary to the ritual at all? Why make them magically appear? Also, to get folklore and research here on you again. When I googled up the grim version of Cinderella, because there is a French version which is what inspired Aschenputtel, which I'm definitely saying wrong, which is the German version of Cinderella in the Brothers Grimm book, um, she has golden slippers. We've, I think, all heard the thing about how in the French one it was mistranslated as glass and it's actually fur. I'm not saying if that's accurate or not, but in the version of the Ushenputtel story, which I've googled two versions of, it is a gold slipper. So technically in this version shouldn't even be a glass slipper. Obviously this is just a fun romp of a movie for 12 year old kids who 
will probably recognise the glass slipper. So I don't really have a problem with that. I'm not seriously suggesting that this needs to stick to the original mythos of Cinderella. But it is weird that they would choose to include a detail which is anachronistic, but then also inconsistent within the movie context that they've introduced it in. Either every girl gets a different fairy tale thing or every girl gets glass slippers, which is also weird. And somehow Angelica doesn't because when she gets out of the box, she doesn't have them on and also she isn't given them in the moment we see her getting sealed in. So that's wildly inconsistent and annoyed me horribly as a teenager and even more now. You can tell I was the fun one to watch movies with, can't you? <laughs> There's a moment in this next part where Will tries to use the axe to ward off the trees, but it doesn't work. And this seems to suggest that it only works for Jacob. I don't know why, either because he was partially beguiled by the witch or because, and this is like my interpretation, he's the one who believes in it. It's like um, in Practical Magic, how that guy's sheriff's badge can ward off ghosts, but it only does that because he believes it, it has power. So Jacob is the one who believes, but obviously Will has now seen this shit with his own eyes. So why would he not believe enough to make it work? This is never addressed or mentioned again. The Brothers Grimm are all set to, you know, try and save the day when the General and Convaldi and also the General's butler, who's just randomly with them, corner them and decide to, like, murder them. Convaldi is like, actually, no, I like these guys, don't shoot them. So he gets shot by the general the general and his butler then like the demi boss for this section of the movie so they start attacking them the trees start attacking everyone the eclipse begins that the spell has begun will fights the general jacob is pursued by his butler but manages to kill him because he's just a fucking butler he's not four um but there we go. Jacob then attempts to get up to the tower. He's struggling with this catapult idea that they abandoned earlier. Will then kills the general by stabbing him and pushing him back onto a big thing of unstable rock, which collapses onto the catapult, flinging Jacob up the tower. We find that Cavaldi, who became very paranoid and put on some of their magic armour, which isn't really magic, it's just shiny, um, was saved by the magic armour because he got shot in it and it stopped the bullet. Uh, so he's fine and I guess is there providing ground support. Uh, Jacob is in the tower, but he quickly becomes subdued and pinned to the wall by the witch's power. When Will climbs up uh, to help him, the exact same thing happens. So both of them are kind of pinned to the wall telekinetically. The queen then de-ages... Um, which kind of looks cool. Maybe this is where most of their CGI budget went. And the brothers, who were both holding like knives and trying to attack her, she magically controls them in an echo of that earlier scene where they were just faking it. But now they are both struggling to keep each other's knives from stabbing them. And Will realises that if one of them doesn't give here, neither of them is going to be able to stop the queen. So he allows Jacob's knife to stab him to death and he falls on the ground jacob's upset but is obviously now free to help destroy the queen in the mirror jacob sees will get up and like walk to the queen who like strokes his face and is beguiling him as she tried to get jacob but in the real room his brother is still stabbed and so painfully crawling towards the queen and she says the reality is always worse than fiction so that's kind of a, a cool and creepy thing to happen. 
she pulls this like badge or emblem on a big railroad spike out of the chest of the huntsman and crams it into Jake into Will instead. Obviously, so like this is how she's controlling and keeping these men alive. She then goes to kiss Will to complete the spell. But before she can, Jacob smashes the mirror and her veneer of like youthfulness cracks and begins to fall away, just like the mirror does, which is also kind of cool, but again, looks a little bit cheap. The hunter, now free of the spell, grabs the largest piece of the mirror that he can and jumps out of the window. But Will tries to stop him because he's still under a spell and they both go crashing to the ground below. Somehow, they survive this. Not sure how. The tower, which we've previously seen was linked to the mirror, also begins to crumble with Will still in, with Jacob still inside it. I'm getting them confused. Jacob's in the tower. Somehow he survives this crumbling. The Wikipedia says this is because of all the mattresses. So buy that if you will. Cavaldi searches the wreckage, finds Jacob, and then they find Will ostensibly dead. Cavaldi says that he knows this story, that he knows what to do, that a kiss of true love can break a spell of like death-like sleep. So Jacob hightails it to Angelica's coffin to kiss her, and then she wakes up, followed by all the other girls. Like <laughs> we see her wake up, and then there's a cut to a different scene where all the girls are awake. Did he kiss all of the girls? Or did they all just wake up because he broke the spell on Angelica? The film lightly sidesteps having to explain that. Unfortunately, Matt Damon is still dead. Jacob finds him in this sleep of the dead still and goes to kiss him. And then Will says through his teeth, not you, because he wants Angelica to kiss him. So he's pretending to be dead upsetting his brother who he's meant to care about just so he can get a kiss from Angelica who his brother's already interested in. Way to assassinate one of your main characters by making him a total douchebag in the last 10 minutes. Well done movie. She does then kiss Will and he flips her over and frenches her which is like a mean thing to do because your brother's very much already in love with her. They then return to the village, which no longer has the gritty filter over it, so you know everything's good and lovely because the sun's shining. Uh, Cavaldi has saved the book of stories and gives it back to the Grimms, and they say that they're going to go into a new line of business, which is presumably publishing. Uh, they both then kiss Angelica again, which is like a weird vibe. I feel like she should have just ended up with Jacob. She, why is she being split between them like a trifle they have to awkwardly share? But there we go. And then a bird flies past with a shard of the mirror with the queen's eye in it. So suggesting that there will be a sequel, but we all know there will not be. This movie received mixed reviews. I can kind of see why. There are elements to it. Like the story is a pretty good one, I think. Like the evil queen who, who wants the spell for eternal youth, sacrificing children to get it. I like some of the nods to the fairy tale stories. So we have the little red riding hood you know, taken by the wolf in the woods. We have Hansel and Gretel lost in the woods. We even have like a nod to Cinderella where uh, Will and Jacob are forced to dress up in frilly bonnets and do cleaning by Cavaldi in another moment that is just plain not funny, but it's there. The evil queen obsessed with her vanity, obviously akin to Snow White. The gingerbread man I don't think should be in this <laughs> because he's an American story according to the internet, but there we go. There's a gingerbread man and a, a mud boy 
not sure which stories those are from, but they're in there. There's the Huntsman, who's also the big bad wolf, which is, you know, an interesting idea. And, you know, there are some of these nods that are cleverer than others. I do not understand the glass slipper thing, but I'm not going to talk about it again. I'm just going to leave it as it is. It makes no sense. So I think the core, like, of the, of the film is good. The relationship between the brothers is considerably better developed and more explored than it was in the Hansel and Gretel movie, because it feels like there wasn't really a huge amount of relationship development between the two characters in this movie there is you definitely feel there's been a shift um and that they have changed and things aren't just going to go on exactly as they were at the beginning of the movie um so i think it does that better where it falls down for me is the attempts at comedy which come off real weird um i think mainly because there's so much like horror stuff in the movie hansel and gretel is more an action film with funny parts in it which is a tried and tested formula. It's basically like all the Marvel movies. But this has these like strong horror elements, like the weird horse that eats people, the creepy mud boy. Google a picture of it because it's horrifying. And I think those don't mesh as well with the comedy they're trying to do. It could also just be that the comedy they're trying to do isn't that funny because it, a lot of it is just the same joke oh look it's cavaldi that loud and very eccentric italian man with a hairpiece who keeps firing his gun off into the sky oh look matt damon's wearing a bonnet for the second time in this movie it, it just it doesn't it did not make me laugh i can't say that there was a single moment in this movie that i found funny um but it is well acted i think the acting is a lot better than the, the hansel and gretel movie as well and the accents are considerably better so there we go. It's a pretty good watch. It has a, a good evil queen story. If you like the Ravenna storyline in Snow White and the Huntsman or Huntsman Winter's War, then you'll probably like this movie. It has less of the evil queen in it, but she's still there. It's still pretty good. So I can't really recommend it as like a comedy action romp because to me it's not actiony enough, nor is it funny. But it is a pretty good kind of fairy story movie. It just feels kind of weird that the love story elements in it aren't really concluded that well at the end. But otherwise, the plot makes sense. Solid watch. It's just one of those weird mid noughties movies with terrible CGI and like fantasy elements. So go nuts with some nostalgia. In the meantime, get in touch. Let me know any other films that you'd like me to look at. Any comedy, action, horror movies like this that i may have missed drop them in the comments on the youtube version of the podcast and i'll see if i can get a hold of them in the meantime i'll see you in the next one bye <laughs>